What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast here on this Tuesday, the day before Senior Night. Tomorrow night, I am Nick Malone doing another solo episode, and I will be recapping the gut-punching loss that was Sunday, as well as everything else around the Valley, and like I said, everything going on with tomorrow in our final home game of the regular season. What's going on, everybody? Yes, that devastating loss that was on Sunday. We want to recap it. As everyone knows, you know, priorly we spread them out because there was days in between. This was a loss that, like I said, gut-punching, devastating. You wanted to maybe talk about right away, but since there wasn't a whole lot of days, we could merge them. And, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate because clearly we had all the makings going into it. We had... Everything lived up to it. We got there about an hour and a half before we actually woke up, went over there to Sunny Street Cafe in Carbondale, ate breakfast, waited around for a while to be able to get there for the open doors. We got there like a little less than an hour and a half before game time and got to walk around a lot. There's, you know, people, they had the posters. We got a poster. We went around, got the blackout t shirts. You know, there was a decent amount of people there. Uh, you know, we know the 2002 celebration and everything was set up for the fact that around. Game time, you know, the band and everything got out there and, you know, they had drinks. They were selling Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras drinks and it all had the makings of it. And before that, when we were watching, you know, really early warm-ups is we saw the trio. We saw Marcus, Lance, and Trent shooting before the game, uh, getting good shots up. And we noticed over the course of the warm-up, Trent Brown did not miss, barely. He probably missed two shots his whole warm-up. Didn't miss. He started an inside-to-out uh and it's like, man, you know, obviously it's warm-ups, but it's like you have the makings, man, to be an awesome shooter, like consistently now at this point in his career compared to what he's been showing the last two years. And, you know, and, and Lance was out there shooting at some points game shots. Marcus was shooting game shots, and then went over and got stretched out. Uh, it was just cool to be there for – I mean, we were there a long time between, you know, but it, like I said, it was cool. Uh, you know, we got to where we were sitting along the way, but we kept walking around and then, uh, like I said, saw the band and everything, went to the shop over there, just kind of experienced, um, you know, everything that everyone said was going on, and that was the case. And even, you know, through, before the start of the game, uh, you know, the Dog Pound, you know, always has been preaching that they want to, obviously, and how great they are, which they are, which today I think they showed up at a top, you know, fan bases in the country, and they were like 19th in the country according to this one account that everybody knows about on Twitter. Uh, but they weren't showing out until, like, I guess right before game time or halfway through the game. It was pretty full on their side. But we come, you know, came to find out that everywhere else was pretty pretty full. Bradley had a, a nice showing of fans, ones that we know on Twitter, that sat, like, right behind their bench. And uh, it all had the makings. So let's get into the game now. You know, aside from going through all the play-by-plays again, I mean, the main takeaways from this game is Marcus showed up. We know we had five points against him previously on, what, seven shots. He had a couple of those games, whether that's the exact one or not, against Bradley. Uh, didn't show up in that game, you know, and if he does a little bit over the course of how competitive and how close that game was throughout, you know, we win. And it, and we ended up, it was, they, you know, had the big lead at the end, as we know, and, and won a 10-point loss. So this game, we're thinking, okay, like I said, it's got the makings. Marcus kicked us off. Marcus had a lot of our first couple points, and uh, you know we had the same starters. They started Rink, Malavai, uh, Duke Dean, Zeke, and is it Hickman? Who am I missing here? Zeke, off the top of my head, Zeke, Malavai, Duke Dean, Rink, Zeke. Unless I just said him again, I'm not sure. But either way, they start the same kind of guys. So. Uh, like I said, the atmosphere was there. Marcus showed up, and he, like I said, got going. He scored a couple more. You know, he was just he was active. He was going at him. And even when Jay Sean came in the game, which Jay Sean had an awesome, uh, I, I definitely first half. I want to say throughout the whole game, but he had definitely had a good first half. And you know, Marcus didn't shrivel whenever Jay Sean came in the game, and that was obviously the. I mean, Bradley did not play a whole lot of people in this game. That's bottom line. So they played the five guys. It was Malavai, Rink, Zeke, Connor, and Duke with Jay Sean Vile and Darius Hanna off the bench. And uh, So, I mean, 
they got up to a 9-2 lead at one point. You know, both teams struggling to score. That's what we said. If you ugly it up, Bradley's, they score a little over 70 points a game. They allow around the same as us. But they're not going to blow you away offensively. So, and it's just going to be a absolute rock fight. And that's what it was throughout most of the game. Can't lie. Like I said, you know, Marcus showed up. Well, we did see Scotty in the first half. We did see Trent in the first half. Scotty only for a minute 40. Uh, you know, so we were a negative two as a team. They were a two. I, we did think Lance at the start, which a big thing is going around with Lance. You know, he played, you know, roughly, you know, 939 of the opening 20. Uh, and he was he was a minus seven. He wasn't hitting shots again. He did have a, uh, a rebound, did have a turnover, though. Did stick out because I'm trying to pinpoint, obviously, who was the worst plus minus, and X and Jawan both minus eights, but Jawan was two of four. Jawan played great in this game. He was getting rebounds. He was playing awesome defense. He was, you know, he only had, how many points did he have here at halftime? Uh, six at half, and Marcus led us with 12, so we only had four guys score. Dalton, who was aggressive early, had four, and then JD had a two. Uh, so, you know, 10 of 23 from the field, 3 of 12 from 3. Uh, and, you know, their biggest lead was 7, ours was 2, and it was from the get-go. Uh, we did have a 6-0 run at one point in the first half. They had a 9. Uh, points in the paint, we had uh, 14 to their 16, so neck and neck, 30 total. The thing is with these two teams is it's, it's a half-court game. You know, you weren't going to get a whole lot of transition points, zero fast-break points in the, in the first half. I'm sure that's how it was throughout the whole game. Uh, they had eight bench points to our six. That was really because of uh, Jayce only had four bench po- or four off the bench to start, and then uh, and then uh, everyone else came off the bench. Vile and Darius both had two points apiece. Um, but we're only down two at half. And like I said, thanks to Marcus playing well, playing a lot better. He was still minus two. He had two turnovers, but had two steals, three assists, four rebounds. I mean. And two of three from three, and those, and a couple, and most, and both of those were at the start of the game to get us back. He had our first, I think, eight points. Uh, yeah, because he had two threes. When it was nine to two, he got us within nine to eight at the start. So, you know, and we were saying, you know, and it was twenty six twenty four at at half. So, you know, it seemed like we were still sloppy at times. We had, uh, let's see here, turnovers wise, we had five, they had five. So it just seemed ugly. But it was, it was both teams playing. You know, they're, I'd say they're carbon copies of one another. They're not. Defensively, they're close to being that way. Offensively, they're not. But they were playing in this first half like they were. Every, all the stats are around the same, and the score was almost the same. So uh, who led them in, in uh, points? That was, uh, let's see here. Connor Hickman had seven, and Rink had seven. So And Duke Dean, who... Played 11-25 in the first half, got two shots up, didn't score. He was a plus two somehow. He didn't have the best game. Uh, but overall, yeah, they were shooting 44% to our 43. Uh, and I'm like I said, I'm not going through the play-by-play. Just Scotty got in the game, was a plus two, didn't get a shot up at all, played tough defense um, in, his little, in his little minutes. So, other, you know, obviously it was manageable and, you know, we weren't, I, like I said, the crowd, I think, got going at times. The dog pound kind of showed up along the first half. So we were, you know, in terms of that whole advantage of taking advantage of it, I guess we got to them. And, you know, I actually wanted to go to the play-by-play real fast to, to try to figure out how the first half ended at least. It was neck and neck. It was 13-12, 20 to 17, 24 to 20. Um, Dalton actually scored on a... I want to say of his couple points, he did have a fast break look at one point. Jawan hit a three to cut it to one at one point, but uh, Jay Sean, who was, you know, he definitely showed out in the second half. But Dalton had four had points right before the half to make it a two point game that it was. So you know, like again, it was Bradley's not going to blow you away. You're able to play with him, and I understand we're at home. We got the atmosphere. It's supposed to happen, really. But that's how it was at their place. So, and we'll get into more down the road of maybe even guys that we would, uh, you know, or teams we would rather play. You don't want to play anybody. You don't want to play Bradley around this time of year. But it seems like the way with the way we play them, and it can be totally different in Arch Madness, and I we expect it to. But you know, we'd rather play Drake or Bradley. And I think we're leaning towards Bradley at that point. But before I, you know, we get into more of that as time goes on, let's talk about. 
that second half that was, you know, more back and forth, you know, but there was just more devastation throughout the, uh, you know, down to the very end of the game. And, um, you know, Montgomery hit a three right at a half. X matched him, so the scoring didn't really go anywhere. Then there was no scoring for a while until we tied it on an X layup. I'll go through some of the play-by-play here. Uh, we'll talk about Lance. He had a turnover at seventeen at the seventeen minute mark, and then missed a three. And you know, he went over. And this is around the time he got taken out of the game. He actually at the thirteen fifty five mark, he missed a three, and then we didn't see him again. Uh, in between there, it was the Jay Sean show. He finished an and one. Uh, Marcus matched him both single times after the and one. Marcus uh, layup. Jay Sean layup. Marcus jump shot. And I want to say at the four, that at that point, you know, Marcus was hitting some clutch shots, some shots I don't think we had seen. We've talked about how, uh, or we know that Marcus had been working with, you know, Robbie Dozier, who was who we know we're friends with, that used to work on the staff, is doing big and awesome things in the NBA uh, in terms of like strength and conditioning wise. Apparently, he had worked with Marcus previously about certainly before this game, and you know, showing him clips of NBA players of because yeah, Robbie works with NBA players and trying to just help him, and you can kind of see it. In, in his performance today, like I said, he wasn't playing scared. He was hitting shots we didn't know. Like there was a big time three in the corner sitting next to Robbie over there when he was hitting courtside, but there was also a pull up on Jay Sean that we would have never seen that he ended up doing. So it was back and forth, 34 to 33. You know, and there were stretches where we were getting stops. And I want to say at the start of the game, Bradley was missing shots they usually make around the rim and everything. And then we were able to, you know, it struggled for us to, you know, we didn't grab the lead till you know, certain points of the second half, and we had multiple chances when they would miss, and we wouldn't, and we would go down and miss ourselves or just not get a, a quality shot on a possession, and our offense was, has been the same issue, obviously, the same old step off with the big, Marcus comes around, catches it, comes off a ball screen, and then he tries to go ISO, if not, obviously, he works his way into the paint, it's the same stuff, and against a Bradley defensive team, you know, and they're going to, and that's what's crazy is you feel like, you know, they would obviously know what was happening every time, and they did, but they, I feel like they didn't even take advantage of it in that respect, like steal it more, or like I said, get like, yeah, get in the passing lanes, or just know, like, read it like a book and kind of get those kind of steals in that regard. But, uh, so that allowed us to stay in the game because they still allowed us to do what we wanted to do, which that's what we want to do. It's not what we would like them to do. But, you know, and then, you know, throughout all this, look at this points. It was 36 to 33 after Zeke Montgomery scored a 13.02. We didn't, there were no points again until till 9.35 and Dalton got within one. This is the Dalton fast break dunk at 9.35. Malibai turned it over. Malibai was incredible in this game defensively. Uh, you know, he was blocking, and Darius Hanna blocked Marcus on one, but Marcus, Whenever Jay, there was points from where Jay Sean and Rank were out of the game, and those are their their pure paint guys. That whenever Darius Hannah and Malavi were only in the game, Marcus needed to take advantage of his strength against those guys, even with the length. And he scored on them at times, got blocked at times. Malavi would just totally he blocked someone out of bounds that was crazy. So there's a block, and then he had a steal that was just incredible off of Marcus or off anybody else, just doing alien type things. And it's funny, I'll get to more of the teleconference here in a second from Brian Mullen's perspective, but Brian Wardle was asked about Malavai and he touched on, everyone was talking about his defense at the start of the year, already claiming he's going to win defensive player of the year. And Brian honestly said that he had, he wasn't too impressed with the way Malavai, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but wasn't really impressed with the way he was playing defense. And, uh, and he was mentioned how like, because he gave actually he gave he gave props to X, and that's not the first time we've heard another coach gave props to X on, you know, perimeter defense, and that's what Brian said was the best perimeter defenders he thinks in the in the league are him and Connor Hickman, but he was talking about Hickman and Rank, and and you know corresponding to Malavi of, you know, uh, Connor and Rank only allow probably six to eight points on average or less. You know, at the start of the season, Malavai was allowing about 12 points himself. And that's that's how he shows, that's how Brian shows it's a great defender is obviously what you allow and what you're able to contain. And he thought that Malavai was, and he got on to Malavai a lot I mean, with some turnovers and some defensive breakdowns himself. And clearly he's not perfect. But, you know, Brian Wardle's getting into him. And that's what's what a player needs. He doesn't need to be coddled and told that he's a great defensive player, even though he is. You know, he needs some harsh and constructive criticism. That's what Brian would give him. And he took him out at times for it. So, 
Love to see that, but there, but he was all over the place. So after that Dalton steal and the fast break dunk, Marcus made a jumper, and here's was one of our only, one of our few leads here in the game. This was our first lead, you know, besides when it was two nothing to start the game, thirty seven thirty six. Bradley called a timeout. That's when the crowd was starting to get really, really into it. Um, and then out of the timeout, Jay Sean got a layup. I think it was just a, you know. We were able to actually stretch them out at the end of the shot clocks themselves. They were they weren't getting their total action. We were making it hard on them. Um, you know they would end up. Jay Sean would just get really deep into the paint, his typical stuff, and get and get points. Uh, so they you know they got it back up to three after Hickman had a layup. Hickman was hitting some tough. It was, it was in the first half, but Hickman was hitting some tough jumpers, pull up jumpers, and you know heavily contested. So give props to him and. Marcus made a three. I want to say this was the one that was in the corner that tied it at 40 at 717. Uh, then there wasn't a whole lot. Malibai missed three. JD missed a layup on one end. The Malibai blocked. Uh, we got an offensive board that led to a TV timeout after Marcus missed a jumper. Um, and then Jawan went one of two from the free throw line. Obviously, at five and a half minute mark, you definitely need, uh, you know, obviously need all the points you can get whenever it's coming really hard. Heck, it was 41 to 40 at this point. So we took a lead off his free throws. Then there wasn't any points until Rink had a layup that, uh, you know, we had a couple turnovers, more missed layups in between our Malibai with his blocks. Uh, and, you know, I think Marcus got his ball back after getting blocked from Marcus, but then turned it over. Malibai then, Malibai blocked him and then stole it from him. And then they scored on the other end to give themselves the lead again. Uh, then Clarence had a layup. They were finding him late. It's it's interesting seeing Clarence played on the stretch here, and he was doing successful successfully at it. Thankfully, I'll get to more points. He had some big ones here down the very stretch of the game. Uh, X found him here. gave us the one-point lead again. Jay Sean went one of two from the line, so it's tied at the three-minute mark, and you know how vital these possessions are now. Uh, so Malibai fouled Marcus on the other end, or fouled Marcus on a defensive rebound. Uh, or excuse me, sorry. Marcus got the rebound, found Clarence down the down the paint, and then he got fouled. Missed both free throws. Malibai got that foul. Missed both free throws. Uh, I, that I want to say maybe double bonus. I want to say he was maybe shooting. It doesn't appear that way. I can't really remember. Uh, so it was tied again. You know, still we couldn't take the lead off those missed free throws. Then there was nothing. But they got back and they got offensive rebounds here. Uh, Rink missed a three. They got a board. Didn't say who. Zeke missed a layup. Malavai got. I think Malavai got both of them, maybe. But he got the second one. But luckily, Rink turned it over. X with a clutch steal. So still tied at 43, 205 mark. So remember the final score. And it was 43 apiece with two minutes left. Marcus was fouled by Malavai. Made two free throws. Up to a minute 50 left. Zeke came down. Comes down. Makes a jump shot. Uh, that or JD fouled him on. Luckily, Zeke missed the free throw. So we know Bradley was an eh free throw shooting team at the start of the game, and even in the last matchup, they're actually really good against us. But they're still average or worse. Uh, Zeke missed or couldn't finish the am one. So then we got the rebound. Rink fouled Clarence. Luckily, he made one of them. So had a one point lead at one twenty four. Uh, they go down, miss more shots. Malavai kept getting offensive rebounds, and then Jawan went ahead and. And fouled the heck out of Malavai, so got him at the free throw line. He missed the first one and made the second, so tied again. 30 seconds left. This is whenever this was crazy because uh, you know we had the and, and you could tell because it's how it was drawn up. This is when we went against the grain of our typical stuff, which what you should do anyway. At this, you should always have stuff planned at the end of a game and a certain you know point when you need a basket or anything. You should always have a plan down. That's what this appeared to be. You could tell. Marcus took the ball out, and X got it, and X and Marcus said something to one another before they went down. So it was it was actually the typical stuff. Got it to Marcus, and uh, he penetrated off a screen, I want to say, and then got the double, which is what we wanted. He passed it to X. X uh, passed on the open three. Uh, I want to say how this, how this went down. It was the typical thing. Marcus... Hit it back to X at the top of the key, and then X ended up fine. And then maybe finding Marcus again—that's what he did. Yeah, Mar found Marcus again, and then uh, on the typical double team they would have for Marcus after the kick, because as soon as he passed it to X, X it X before coming back to X off the double team, they hit it back to Mark. I'm botching this. I'm sorry. Initially, I'm botching this. As soon as they went to try to double X, X passed it back to Marcus. 
you know, where he would keep it, what Bradley would think, and then he found Clarence underneath the rim, which we said, well, Clarence plays underneath the basket. He'll try to do it in a soft layup, but he dunked it. Up to a 30 seconds left. Bradley calls a timeout. Place is going wild, and then the heartbreaker comes. And I initially thought to myself, I didn't say it to Noah and our other friend who were there, who was there. Didn't say it initially, but I'm thinking, they're not going to have something that's going to be a three, right? So I'm thinking, okay, you know, the scenario is going to be they're going to go for two. If we foul them, hopefully it's not for an am one, but we foul them, they get free throws, or they just get a layup. And then we're like, okay, then we get the final shot going to the other end. And of course, you know, they get their typical action, and then all of a sudden there's like a pop, you know, kind of pick and pop with Rink to the left wing three-point line, and you obviously you see him get open in the moment. You go back and watch, and JD collapses too hard on the on the guy cutting. So then he gets a easy. I think it was it was uh, Hickman that hit rank on the left wing, probably about ten feet of separation when he initially shoots it, wide open, drains it, and JD gets all up in his face and fouls him. Can't believe it. I put my head down. Don't even know when in the moment. Obviously, uh, I thought there was a timeout called, so I didn't know there was a foul. And then Noah told me it was a foul. And then of course, you know, JD gets all up in him. Does definitely push him after the shot. If he doesn't, uh, you know, take the one step down on the cutter, if he's able to, that half second, he's able to get back out there and contest it before he fully gets the shot or just during the shot, doesn't foul him, he probably misses if it's obviously a more heavily contest jump or shot. So he makes it, makes the free throw, and, you know, we go down. and So that's devastating. You go down then. We get an open three at the top of the key for Jawan. Marcus skies in for the offensive rebound, gets too deep under the basket, can't get a shot off. Time's ticking. He hits X, and X misses an easy floater that he would usually make. Misses the floater. They get the rebound. Darius Hanna does, and he gives it to Jay Sean and Dalton Thousand. So, okay, it's over, right? There's four seconds left. Jay Sean is not a good free throw shooter, had been making them. Misses both. It was, a, it was a dead ball. It was a double bonus. Missed both. Down two. Two timeouts left. Jawan gets the rebound. Goes down. Of course, we talk about Jawan's athleticism, his injury. It seemed like he doesn't miss a beat in terms of his injury. But he goes down and he and he has a half court heave down to no timeouts called. He at least shoots it with a with it says missed two, missed three-point jumper at two seconds left. He shot it way before he should have. He got there, I guess, quick enough. Now, I didn't think he got there quick enough initially because he's, he's, you know, he's slower pace getting to the half court and heaves it that he had time to call a timeout at half court, so you didn't even have to call it you know, off the rebound, call it there, and then have the player designed up to get it to half court, use your second timeout. And we didn't call anything. So Jawan, two seconds left. I said like a second and a half to Noah. Two seconds left. Heaves it up, clearly misses it. Game over. And that's what's just going to lead into, I'm not, you know, stats are what they are. Oh, well, I'll get into them in a second. The main, you know, you got, you have two timeouts. And Wardle, who I guess maybe had one, he was good about using it to stop momentum throughout a game. You have two left. And it's one of those things, it's kind of like the Trey Anderson situation at UIC. Brian, who went small in that regard, was like almost guaranteeing just to get his best free throw shooters on the court. Guarant- and you never want to assume, right? In life, definitely in basketball, he assumes 87% Trey Anderson's going to make a free throw. He misses it bad, his second one. And then that allowed that, you know, then to get the ball back out of bounds, get the rebound. Lance tipped it out of bounds. They, they don't even get a look. In this game, you just assume Jay Sean's going to make the free throw or something, right? He misses both. So then, he, and then of course Jawan gets it. Like I said, our slow, our slowest footed guard, and then does that thing. You call a timeout when you get the rebound, and then you have Troy take it out, do our usual whatever. You get it to half court with, you know, I don't know how much time they would have looked. So much time would have been taken off here. Like I said, this is usually the twenty minute ends of games with four seconds left. You would accept the twenty minutes to to end the game here. So Jawan gets it, the time rolls off, he calls the timeout immediately. They go back, look, get the appropriate time on the clock, take it out of bounds, get it to half court, you call a timeout, they go back again to look at the exact time. So you get probably roughly from 4.6 to about 3 seconds left, honestly, after all this takes place. 
three seconds left, only down two. I understand if you're if you're down three and you need a three, but Brian's only case for that, and he wasn't even asked about it after the game, which is blasphemy. Uh, use it because he was almost like assuming that his guys were going to get down court, and it was just unfortunate that Brian that Jawan didn't. As soon as Jawan got to half court, and there was two seconds, I would have called it. And it's so easy to say, but in the moment, I guess you're you're so too busy watching what's going on. He just didn't want Bradley to set up a defense out of a couple of timeouts. He wanted them to to catch them off guard going going down court. And I'm not accepting that. When you have two timeouts, even if you have one, you would use it. If you have one, you use it as soon as you get it, or if you have enough time to get it to half court, whether that's a kick out, whatever the word is, a um, a uh, outlet pass to half court, call it. Either which way you use it, and you don't even use it at all. That's the main ho- whole thing of this. You got to use both of them, and they didn't. And like again, you let Jawan shoot that, and then the game's over. Like, why not give yourself a chance? That's what. That's probably the biggest error we've seen. Brian make a lot of errors, really rotationally, but definitely through parts of a game, whether it's going small and it burns you. There's many, many ones you can look at. This is the biggest one to me because. It's a big game. If you win, you're still in first place, hunt. It's like he almost just accepted it for what it was and didn't totally strive for the win. And I'm not going to say he didn't want to win, but it's like how can you let that play out just hoping Bradley gets caught off guard on the missed free throws and you, what, just throw up a three and hope you just win on a buzzer? Like that's just terrible. That's the worst coaching I've seen from Brian all year. Is not you, and we've, Like I said, we've seen a lot. And there's been a lot of discussions we'll have after the season about just everything about him. That's the worst I've seen. You you use two timeouts when you have them. I know any other coach would. I don't know. He just wanted to catch Bradley off guard so hard. And that isn't even, that's the main part of this whole game. The other one, there's a couple. The other one I would say outside from that blunder at the end of the game was Marcus showed up. Again, I said it at, at you know throughout this. You do all you can with Marcus. And he does his job. He didn't really have anything. We'll get to the only amount of people that really scored in this game. Marcus was great. The last one, and arguably the most, you know, big picture wise, and just overall was the biggest thing of this game was not having Lance Jones. And you know, Lance was 0 for six from the field. Clearly, he didn't he didn't have it. You know, when he was turning it over, his official stats were 0 of six, all from three. Had the one rebound, 16 minutes, two turnovers, nothing else, no steals, no assists, nothing. So. Cully's not playing well, and we've talked, if you guys have, have known us talking about, no matter how bad Lance is, can he lose you a game? Yes. Can he win you a game, though? Yes. And I was of the impression also that Brian didn't put him in because at that point, Dalton came in, played well. X X wasn't even playing when Dalton was in. And then X came in, and then he just wrote it. Like, the game really didn't get out of hand at all, ever. It was so much back and forth. So it's like okay, if we were if they if they pulled away, it's like, okay. Then we bring Lance in to see if he can just make threes to get us back into it. Brian probably thought broke ain't it's not broke. Don't fix it. Don't need to you know bring him back in if we don't really need to. But we know Lance will turn it over. But he can get in there and he's got to snap out of his funk at some point, Ryan. You can't just expect it going game by game. And that's what Brian said after the game is, you know, oh he'll have it in the next game. He'll get it back. It's like okay, well and. The biggest thing off this I'll get to in a second, but he can hit a shot, get a steal. It's like it, and we talk about him and X are the same players. That X was getting key steals in this game, so it's like you had Lance's skill set on the court and X, but obviously X is only going to shoot a three when he desperately has to, or if he's wide ass open. And Lance is going to shoot bad shots, but he's going to make them at some point, and it's gonna it's gonna impact the game. Obviously, if he misses it, impacts the game. That's just what he is. That's what we all know he is. But you have to play him because he can do that. And at the end of the day, I think he would hone in enough to not turn it over, really, and not press. And even over the course of the game, when he was missing, there were other shots where he was open and didn't shoot any past it. He's 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 it's he's it's hitting him so much mentally now, more than it ever has in his career. And this has been probably his rocky roadie, his most rocky road season of his career, and it's unfortunate. Um, but the biggest thing to take away from it was he was pouting. You know, he was he was frustrated, you know, that he wouldn't come back in. There were points when we said someone's got to be over there talking to him because he was sitting near the end of the bench. And there was a timeout where, you know, players were in the huddle themselves before the coaches got in there. And Lance was around it. And Trent was had his arm around him talking to him. And 
You know, he was looking at the coaches, waiting to be called back in, and he wasn't. He just kept getting frustrated, and that's not what you want. I would have loved to talk. You know, I wish there were media members afterwards talking, and I haven't seen on the app about the postgame presser. I'm assuming Lance wasn't on there because if he didn't do much, they're not going to have him on there just for those kind of reasons. But I would love to talk to him. And obviously he's frustrated. And Brian makes it sound like it's no big deal after the game, saying he's going to bounce back. He just The biggest thing that he said about Lance was he wasn't connected defensively along going along with his offense usually Lance has been good if he's struggling on offense he's still stealing he's still doing great on defense and I guess Brian saw that wasn't the case and I guess that's not wrong but again you need to play him over the course of the game because he can impact it and help you in the moments hit the big shots get out of his funk because like I said how else is he going to get out of the funk he's got to play and he didn't play which was unfortunate so you know Marcus 23 points nine of eight shot 50 percent three of five from three Nine rebounds, four assists, two steals, four turnovers for Marcus in 38 minutes. X, 30 minutes, two steals, five points, two of six. Didn't, didn't play all that well. He did have that clutch steal when it was tied to give us hope for, you know, to grab the lead for good. I guess we did along the way, but that was a two-minute mark. He got that huge steal, played 30 minutes. Jawan, 31 minutes, and obviously he's going to play when Lance isn't. Seven points, so Jawan, he went one of five from three. Um, Jawan did. He had so many great looks. He hit the one that rattled in. And obviously that final look that he had, that's the biggest devastation of this. You had the great looks to tie it after Rink had that and one three, so a four-point play. Just you had your moments, and even you obviously you had the biggest moment there after the non-timeout finish. And, you know, Dalton was good, six points. Like I said, he played when Lance wasn't. He did have three fouls. Other than that, you know, Clarence had five points, uh, went one of four from the line, though, did have that huge dunk in only 13 minutes. Uh, you know, Scotty, Troy, and Trent did not play. They had a combined 37, or excuse me, 33 minutes, and neither – that's what you can't have. I mean, Scotty only had three. Lance, Trent only had seven, did have with a one-three. Troy only shot once. We relied on Troy's defense a lot in this game, and you're never really going to count on him for offense. But um, – did play decent defense at times to keep us in it. Had four rebounds and an assist. This was, like I said, Marcus finally taking over. This was him in a big game. And you always know, if you pinpoint to all the bad games Marcus has had, they're all on the road. He always shows up at home. You know, UIC, I want to say he played obviously really good in. And you can't tell me another home. That's not even a big game, but it's in terms of playing at home in general. He always plays better. Honestly expected, and he was both of our dog of the game, and he did show up in this one. Like I said, 23 on 50% with nine rebounds. That's a big-time performance from Marcus. Uh, team stats, we had one more defensive rebound. I mean, we out-rebounded them by one. We Both both teams had nine offensive boards, and we out-rebounded defensively, obviously, by one. Uh, so Bradley didn't play their best, but and that's what shows is it stinks is you feel like you want to play them because you can play with them. You want to play them down the stretch or into the tournament, which seems like a death sentence. But it shows that you can't close them out either. When you play with them, they get the better of you in the end. And that rink shot will go down forever in terms of big, in terms, and I'm sure, with how they are. But they weren't as desperate going into this game than we were. And, and that's what we know and I talked about earlier is on that final play, you know, they're playing soft because they're like, yeah, Jawan Newton, who is one of four from three, He's throwing up a half-court heave. We'll take our chances. You know, we're not going to contest it as bad. Because it's like, oh, you know, we're already where we are. If we lose on a half-court buzzer beater, so be it kind of thing. So I don't really know what else to take from it, you know, in that regard. Uh, you know, they weren't really playing. They were, weren't playing as desperate as us. They're playing desperate because if they lose that, obviously, and Drake keeps winning until that final game, then Bradley is playing for first place. So they are in that regard. But they weren't going to – you know, be totally upset if they lose on a half-court shot. That's just, like, one of those things. So, um, other than that, we played we played great against them. We, uh, we had three fast break points, which is crazy. They had zero. So, like I said, that's the pace of the game. Six steals apiece. We had eight points off their turnovers. They only had four. They did outdo us in points in the paint, 30-24. to 24. Uh, Second chance points, only four total in the game. They had five blocks to our three. They did have 16 bench points to our eight. Uh, turnovers were 10 apiece. That's the thing. We had the stat in the in the preview that of what Bradley and their winning streak have been forcing teams in their turnovers, but two of the wins have come against us in their winning streak, and we only turned it over 10 times. So it's literally on the brink of below and more of, you know, 
if they turn you over more than 10 times, they, they beat you. And we've been so close. So we're not turning it over against them. Just ugly off. So they shot 39%. We shot 37 19 of 51 shooting. They were 20 of 52. So right about smack dab even with one another. 4 of 18, they were from 3. We were 5 of 21. Uh, Vila was hitting, not hitting as many shots, of course. 5 of 10 from the free throw line. That was thanks to Clarence and 1 of JD, of course. They went 6 of 13, though. They missed more than they made. So they gave us right back into it. So it was a sloppy game. This is what you're going to get with SIU Bradley. You're going to get a sloppy-ass game. So played well otherwise. That's the bottom line. They're, you know... <laughs> I don't even know what else to say. It was pretty evenly matched. It's just, of course, you can't take advantage of the end. you got to be able to finish them, and they can't us. We can't them. So definitely gut-punching. Like I said, the biggest takeaways of this game were Marcus actually showed up. Lance got benched. He shouldn't have. Definitely at the end there. Imagine if Lance gets that offensive rebound and goes down court. He's already near the paint through four seconds if there's not a timeout called. And then... And then that's a third one. It's not calling timeouts at the end of the game there. But that's what stinks is you had so many great looks to tie it at least. Or if Jawan hits that three, who says that they don't go down, at least use their timeout, at least go down and get their own shot themselves. And I guess coaches just think in that short amount of time, you can't do a whole lot, which is ridiculous. You can get a shot off with a second and a half, two seconds if you call the right play. So it's all hinging on the coach in these moments. Uh, so those were the main takeaways. So... Brian did talk after the game. He said he did. It wasn't asked about the timeouts, which was ridiculous, but he was asked about Lance. Did say he was going to bounce back, and that's what I said again. He he didn't think that he was zoned in defensively, and it affected his offense. So it's like, why not have him on? You know, why have him on the court? I guess. So he said he, Brian didn't seem too worried about it. Asked so in the teleconference, though, biggest thing is Brian was asked about was Lance, and he said the same stuff he kind of said after the game. Um, and then he was asked about the offense was the first question, all from Bucky quality questions asked. And he, and he asked him about, like I said, the offense. And he said, uh, with the inability to score, he said that guys need to be more opportunistic when they don't have the ball. And that makes sense. We talked about the freelance and it's almost like they don't freelance. They do the same play that involves 90% of Marcus. I'd say 99% of Marcus actually, uh, that, I mean, he's not wrong. Like, if if guys are – but even when they have the ball, they talked about the not going through the motions. Attack. Yeah, be opportunistic. That's the perfect word for it. Off the ball, with the ball, because you can't just be watching Marcus try to do it and then try to – then he's trying to kick it out to non-shooters, Jawan, Dalton, Troy, and then obviously our center, and that's when Lance isn't in the game. The shooting even X is spotty shooter, so it's like – that's been obviously the main downfall of our team and what it's probably going to be down the stretch. And in the tournament is three-point shooting. So I don't want to harp on this game too much. You want to move on. I just want to get to the big night that is tomorrow with some other things going on. And those are the biggest things. And it's just devastating. The rank three, huge shot. We couldn't score. And then everything else played out after that. So those are the biggest things. I did have some Brian quotes here, though, off the off the app. He did say, "Give quote, give credit to Bradley. I thought it was a high-level college basketball game. Both teams played extremely hard, but we came up a possession short. There are a lot of really good teams in this league, and you have to be one or two possessions better, and they made a big play there at the end, end quote. We talk about all the time. He's always going to give credit to the other team no matter what, and it's like, man, but you had chances to win. You can give credit to a team and say, oh, we didn't come to play like they would if we got blown out or something, but I just wish they would pick apart more of the reasons why you lost than just the typical stuff. Like, we know Brian keeps close to the vest. He usually is honest, and you have to ask him the hard-hitting questions. Like we said, I wish we could be in the post-game presser or the teleconference and ask him these, all of these kinds of questions. But I, I agree. Opportunistic. This team hasn't been at all season. It's why we only score 66 points a game. Probably less than that now after scoring 48. But that just shows you what you have to do. And offense and three-point shooting has been our – our biggest fall of the season, but we we could argue the defense hasn't been all that great, you know, especially in the last little bit. So that's it from this game. Let me talk about now what the other scores were around the league um, that weekend. <laughs> Excuse me. So Saturday, I think I I didn't mention Saturday. Clearly, Indiana State beat Illinois State at home uh, handedly by sixteen. You and I got a huge win, so we'll be seeing them tomorrow off, off, getting off their losing streak, winning at Missouri State 
by three. So that's a big game, and the Murray took care of Evansville in the second half to win at home. And then besides ours on Sunday, UIC got the big one-point win at home against Valpo. I want to say what happened. I want to look at the box score fast. Cricky had 34-10, and 10 and they lost. Uh, Kobe King had 15 on 14 shots, but then they, you know, uh, besides Scoball, uh, he had nine points. Everyone else in their starting lineup scored. Uh, uh, Jace Carter played and was back. Trey Anderson was back. And they only played seven total guys, so got the one-point win. And then Drake and Belmont, Drake took care of them on CBS Sports Network uh, later that afternoon and won by 14. It really wasn't close from the get-go. So now into the standings with two games left. We fall, and we're now two games back. Look at Indiana State, one game back of Drake and Bradley. They're 14-4. Indiana State's 13-5. One game back, and us and Belmont still 12-6. Two games back. Murray and Missouri State both 10-8, four games. You and I back to 500 in the league, five games back. They're 9-9. Valpo 5-13, Illinois State 5-13, and and then the others. UIC, though, getting that win, 3-15. So Evansville is almost cemented. They play each other uh, coming up this week, but... You know, I think it's 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 in Evansville. Evansville's got a chance, obviously, but now that UIC's got the two game advantage, Evansville's not going to win two more. So Evansville's going to be stuck at the twelve. So that's where things stand. Obviously, it's unfortunate if we would have won. We're you know it's Drake still won, and we have three thirteen of five teams, and it still gives us a chance. I think if we would beat Bradley, we would have been no matter what at fourth because we would still had a game up on Belmont. They would have had to beat Indiana State, and we would have had to lose to you and I. But we had the Bradley win. We would at least guaranteed ourselves a a, a buy. So that's the way it stands now. Uh, I did want to mention quickly though, I guess before I get into more there, I re- I retweeted the stats. I'm not going to go through. It was just an update. The Mike had on stats. I was going to have it on there, but not. Uh, Nothing more on um, Kennard, so I wanted to dive into this week's games and news around the league. Um, so coming up to or tonight, excuse, well, sorry, because it's going on. It started at six. I'm currently filming this twenty after six. Missouri State's got an eighteen to ten lead against Murray at about the fourteen minute mark in the first half on CBS Sports Network. So I'll keep an eye out for that. I'll update that again. When I finish, or I'll try to remember when I finish the pod. So Missouri State's got an eighteen or an eight point lead, and then to, that's the only game tonight. And then tomorrow, Bradley at Valpo. Bradley's eight point favorites. That's tough. And the way Cricky's playing, Valpo could give Bradley a tough game in this one at home. And I think Valpo covers the eight, but Bradley gets the win. I would love to see Valpo get that win. Uh, here's the biggest one: Indiana State against Belmont. Belmont's a one and a half point favorite at home. These two teams have not played each other yet this year. Both offensively fantastic. I want to look at the over-under in this one. Two great offensive teams. It is 151, so it makes sense. Um, great game, and you know we'll be rooting for – you almost wonder. Obviously, it depends if we beat UNI. If we lose to UNI and Belmont wins, we're in trouble. Because uh, even Belmont or Indiana State, they both – or Indiana State has a tough – or they both have tough games at the end. Uh, but definitely we'll be rooting for Indiana State in this game. You think, even though we want to at least be uh, – we, we were talking about scenarios that Belmont – if Belmont you know, if Belmont wins and we win, then it doesn't matter. That helps us bigger than heck. We want the three seed. But obviously it's going to be a crazy one tomorrow at 6.30. So that starts 30 minutes before ours. Uh, the Valpo-Bradley game's at 6. At 7, UIC at Evansville. Like I said, UIC's got the two-game lead on them now, so Evansville, that game really doesn't mean much. Uh, UIC's one and a half on the road. I'll take UIC to win and cover that. It'll be close, though. Um, and then Illinois State at Drake for their senior day. Drake's 15-point favorites. Expect a butt-whooping. Maybe expect Illinois State to fight the way Drake's rolling, though. I don't know if they'll cover 15. That's a big margin. If they can beat us and Bradley at their place by 23 and 25, I think Illinois State could lose worse than that. You never... Never, never know, though. And that brings me to the only news around the Valley recently, and it's a big one that we found out about recently, is people are thinking Brody is not, Darnell Brody is not a part of Drake's senior night. And that's made people wonder that he's got a waiver that he could potentially get from his Seton Hall days, which is massive. We know, you know, Brody, Brody should be on the most improved team this year. He's been fantastic for them. Uh, this is the best year he's been with Drake, arguably. Uh, so even next year, him coming back definitely makes sense. You know, he's obviously a threat, but it's, you know, it's better than having 
Roman or Garrett Sturts get a you know potentially or DJ Wilkins get a you know potential waiver to come back. So it's it's notable and it's big. So we'll see if that comes to fruition over time if he does return. So but people are thinking that and that's obviously um that is obviously uh notable for next season. We already know Malibai Leones is coming back. Which is an issue, and then you know I I saw it. we're one thirty five in Kempom, not good. Indiana State I think it was ninety two. Belmont's I think one twenty nine. Uh, so you know fifth wise, hopefully we don't end fifth, but fifth, we are fifth in the league in Kempom. Uh, so not great. That's where we continue to remain. Uh, probabilities I think those were updated. I did retweet those. Um, so let me let me go find those real fast. Matt Hackman has this updated all the time. So about a couple days ago after the games, clearly uh, the weighted probabilities. Uh, he had us the best. Our best position is 53% for the four. Belmont's had a 22%. Indiana State's got a better percentage for than Belmont at the four, but Indiana State's got the highest for the three, which is 49%. Uh, and they st- they think Bradley's going to get the one fifty nine to forty one just because they have the home game against Drake, so that's going to be crazy. When we get to that point, I think Drake could potentially win that game by ten or more, but we will see. So that's where we stand. He predicts us to finish fourth on the season. Like I said, we're pushing for the three. We'll talk about all the scenarios and stuff over time, but because I want no one here to also just give his take, and we'll talk about it combined. Uh, so we'll talk about that at a later date soon, actually. Uh, so then I said, that's everything going on the game tonight, the games tomorrow. So let's talk about the UNI Panthers for tomorrow night in this preview. It is senior night for us. And I'll just jump right into it. in the announcement that the guys who will be acknowledged and honored pregame, which starts 20 minutes before tip, it's vitally important that, well, we will be there that early. It's vitally important that, Everybody gets there that early. We know people try to file in. Just get your seats before this. And their names on here we wouldn't like to see. It's all depending. People get honored for senior night, but we've never seen it before with the COVID season in years past. So we don't know how it's all going to play out. But it is Marcus, Lance, Trent, the the terrific trio, the initial trio, J.D. Mula, and Jawan Newton. Those are amongst the players. There's a couple managers getting honored as well, uh, which they do um, an amazing job. They're getting honored. But those players-wise makes us think all of them, besides Jawan, have an extra year. And we notice X is is the same uh, grade in terms of like, you know, four-year guy like Marcus, Lance, and Trent. So not saying X on here is interesting because we're not sure, obviously, He's not a technically a senior, I suppose. Could he come back? I Noah mean, and I were having conversations about obviously what the team could look like, who could come back, who could not. These are conversations to have in the offseason, and we will talk about them in the offseason. Uh, but it's interesting to talk about now because it leaves the door open. You know the portal's always there. X could always leave in the portal. But he's not a senior, so he's got eligibility. We would love X to come back. Love him to come back. So that's interesting that he's not being honored. But those guys are Marcus Lance, Trent, J.D., and Jawan. And even J.D., we thought, I was initially thinking J.D. was the same age as, as those guys as well, but J.D. spent two years in Indian Hills. He had the medical red shirt his first year here, which was Marcus and them sophomore year that he didn't play. Then he has the COVID year, and this is his second full season. So he's using one of those years now. So I think he has the option as well. Not sure about J.D. So those are the four players being honored. So they will start, and then you'll just have X fill out the fifth spot as well. So it'll be perfect. You'll just have J.D., or excuse me, sorry, what is that? I already said that, what is that, one, two, three, four, five. So never mind, they already have the five. So X will come off the bench tomorrow. I forgot about somebody there for a second. Uh, so that'll be the five going tomorrow night. So it's obviously notable. We'll talk more and more about it. Nothing's officialized. The The team probably has these discussions with the players, but what their plans are, and even in the tournament, if you win, if you lose that early, a lot of those things can impact the decision for main players, for role players, We'll all find it out. It'll definitely be happening in the summer, but we'll have all these conversations later on because we both need to be in here for it. Hope you guys can enjoy that over time, talking about the potential of it all. But we know the conversations are happening of who could return because just a sneak peek of it, if Marcus and Lance and even JD, we talk about Trent. You know, We wouldn't care if Trent, because I feel like the writing's on the wall for Trent to not use his year, either be a GA here or just move on with his life. 
Marcus and Lance leaving would be devastation, but they would have already planned it out ahead of time if they had a feeling. But like I said, things can play out through a season and decisions can change. So we'll all find that out. So that's the biggest part coming into this game about you and I itself. It's the 75th meeting. We still own the series. You know, we lost to them the first matchup by 12, 69 to 57 on January 7th. Wasn't really a pretty game for us. It was tied at times and then they pulled away. Really? They couldn't miss. It seemed like, um, so, uh, Lance had 17 in that game. We talked about Mar- uh, Brian saying Mar- Lance needs to bounce back, and hopefully he can because he has some favorable matchups in this game. Uh, Marcus had eight that game. JD and X both had seven. So we had some spread scoring. Couldn't get the job done, though. Obviously, that was the game that Bowen Bourne had 27 against us. Titan Anderson was great, had his double-digit rebounds, and was awesome. Um, but they're led by those two guys. And actually, I want to go back because I hadn't looked in the moment. I want to go back to look at the uh, at that game. Go back and look at the box score and reasons why we lost and won. Who did good for them? You know, Betts. You know, he had a three. We got to watch him shooting in this game. Um, he'll just he'll just op- he'll just randomly spot up a three. I think he makes him better at home than he does on the road. Uh, but he had five points. Duax and Campbell, the two freshmen, combined for twelve. They both have improved over the course of the season. Duax was great in that game. He did have four fouls. Uh, expect Duex to be better. Trey Campbell. I mean, Duex only played 18 minutes. I guess he did have four fouls, only played 18 minutes. Could have done a lot more at six and three. Trey Campbell, 36 minutes, three of seven, six points, as I mentioned. Titan only had 10 points and 10 rebounds. He was three of 10, but his defense on Marcus was spectacular. Had Marcus shooting three of nine from the field. Um, thinking Marcus will play better against him than he, you know, at home than he would at their place. So, you know, obviously, Titan and Bowen are going to be on all Valley teams, so they're the biggest ones. But those finishing five of bets, two X and Campbell are good because you, know, you got Cole Henry who came in and had seven and twelve rebounds in this game in twenty three minutes. Uh, Pexari played against us, didn't do anything, but noticing his play lately, uh, freshman out of Turkey, uh, he makes he makes winning plays, he makes things happen. He'll be a problem for four years. There's zero doubt about it. So he'll play a factor in this game because he's getting going. Uh, Landon. Wolf, Landon Wolf, excuse me, had 27 minutes, had eight points. He fouled out, but he's tough. He'll make a shot. He'll actually get after you too. We noticed we were trying to make like an all-villain team, and we were—I was wondering if we were going to add him because he'll get into guys. He got into Roman Penn in their in their game. He'll he'll you know go he'll get mouthy with the other team. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, but he'll play well. So obviously they're young. They had been struggling. Like I said, if you go to their, they were on a, a huge losing streak before they beat Missouri State on the road. So they're riding off a win, and they scored 69 points on the road. So, you know, they got some momentum now coming in here, but I wouldn't have liked to play them if they still had their losing streak coming in. So, you know, they had the double OT game with Drake. Other than that, they had been getting blown out. They lost to Bradley by eight, lost to Evansville. They gave Evansville their first and probably only win. They lost by 12 at their place. Uh, then they lost to Indiana State by 18, lost to Drake by 8, another close game, and then this win. So, you know, like I said, that's their – still as they never count them out because they're feisty, and they have Bowen Bourne, who, like I said, who dropped 27 against us. That's the most points anyone's dropped against us this year, or at least for a while. I think it's the most. I'd have to go back. But it's Bowen and Titan show. Titan's defense on Marcus, his ability to rebound. I'd say overall they're not, you know, just the most fabulous – uh, you know, rebounding team outside of him. I wanted to go back and look at the stats here to give you updated stats on what you and I looks like. Cause we have, you know, like I said, it's been a while since we played them. Um, if they will load here, give me one second, get into where they currently rank as team as a team. And obviously some of their players, uh, they are, let's see, sixth in team offense. They are, Sixth in team defense, so they're pretty, you know, they're dead in the middle for both of those. Uh, they are seventh in rebounding margin, which they do rebound better than us, thanks to Titans and Cole Henry for sure. Team field goal percentage, they are fifth. Team three-point percentage, they are fifth. Uh, they're eighth in free throw shooting, so not the best free throw shooting that you would expect from a UNI team, but obviously they make them pretty well. Uh Let's see. They are dead last at blocks. They only have 38 blocks as a team. That's 15 less than whoever in Evansville and Indiana State who are right ahead of them. So they don't block shots. Uh, 
Steals, they are eighth. Guess who's number one? That is us. We have 216 on the season. Uh, they don't offensive rebound. They're 10th in that regard. Defensive rebound in their fifth, thanks to Titan. Uh, and like I said, stats-wise, they have Bowen Bourne, who's fourth in the league in scoring at 18. Uh, they have, let's see here, field goal percentage. Michael Duax actually leads the conference in field goal percentage at 57.6%, so about 58%. He's pretty efficient. You know, pretty much from the mid-range. You see him make some of these tough shots. I was watching a Drake game. He was hitting some tough shots. Uh, let's see here who they, who else they have. Bowen and Landon Wolf are eighth and ninth, respectively, in three-point percentage. Uh, and obviously, Ty Anderson still leads the league. He's at nine on the dot in rebounding in the league. The next closest is Rink with 7.74. Um, let's see. Free throw percentage. Their highest guy is Bowen, obviously, at seven. Marcus leads the country, leads the conference in three free throw shooting at 87%. Uh, and, and, we know, that's mainly the thing. And Michael Duex is tied for 12th with Titan in steals. Other than that, like I said, they're not going to have anybody in blocks. Uh, they don't. And Bowen is 15th in assists along with his scoring. So just dynamic all around. They're, as long as Ben Jacobson's their coach, they're going to compete. I expect a hard-fought Hopeful win tomorrow on senior night with everything recognized. Like I said, 640 show up. I'll get to that again in a, in a second for what people to do. So let me get to now everything else, which is uh, predictions. We are six-point favorites tomorrow, a 77.6% chance to win via the matchup predictor. 129.5 over under. There's obviously a game we need. If Belmont loses to Indiana State and we lose to UNI, there's really no harm done. Even though the two teams that are behind us still two games back is uh, Missouri State and Murray who are playing each other right now. So that could affect us over the course of time. We know at UIC it's not going to be easy. I expect this game to be hard fought for sure. I'll take 129.5. That's tough. They could put up points. In a hurry, they do average 70 on the season, but they also allow 69, so they're not the best defensive team in that regard. But they're they're facing us, who only puts up 65.8 a game. They shoot about the same as us from the from the uh, field goal percentage, and they do rebound better than us, as I've said. Everything else they don't do as well. That steals, blocks, assists, they don't do as well as well as us. So I I want to say you and I covers the six, but I think we win around five points. And what I say, the, I, don't, I don't know what the over-under is going to be. I'll say a prediction of about 68 to like 63. Hopefully, I think they cover. It would make sense for us to cover. We're at home. Maybe it can, you know, senior night, it should be popping. I expect us to maybe get the better of them in that regard. It could go over in six. I'll, I'll do plus six, but barely. Like, they barely cover it. If anything, just know that I'm going to predict. I'm predicting that it's within 10 points. Um Noah had Lance as his dog of the game. It makes sense. Hoping for a bounce back. You know, and Noah said it earlier, and it's true. You're not going to bench him in Arch Madness if he's playing bad. Why should you bench him now? And it's an awful look with the way he reacted to it. Two games left in the regular season before the conference room. It's just not a look you want to have. I think if we won that game, it's still a topic, but it's not as whatever because everybody should be all high and dandy because we won. Now, because we lost, it's, you know, it's talked about more and it's enhanced more so hopefully Lance can bounce back that's Noah's he says he he's got to hit a hot streak at some point expects him to hit a hot streak in this game like I said he did have 17 against him Bowen can't guard Lance uh maybe that the Turkish freshman can guard him uh no he can't Trey Campbell maybe like no they this this needs to be a breakout game for Lance from the three-point line on drives Needs to be an overall game. I love that. I'll agree with them because Lance just needs to snap out of it. We need him at the end of the, you know, we need him, need him, need him. And he's the kind of player where it shows maybe you don't, but we need our second best player when it matters most, and that's into March. You need him to start playing well. I'll agree with Noah. You could say, a lot of people, you could say X, because like I said, X has been getting heralded by other coaches for his defense and his perimeter defense, and we're going to need him to be huge on Bowen in this game. Need Lance to be big on Bowen. Need Marcus to score. thing is with Titan Anderson, he's been getting in foul trouble a lot. If Marcus can attack him, get him in foul trouble. If Titan comes out of the game, I think we have a great chance to win because he hurt us in the first game. Like I said, 10 of 10, he didn't shoot well, but and he's kind of been struggling overall, but the foul trouble is the reason why. So get Titan in foul trouble. 
and just contain Bowen. That's the name of it all. And then you you could blow him out if you have that recipe. But as long as Ben Jacobson's the coach and it's against us, it's never going to go whichever way. They're, they blow us out. It'd be hard for us to blow them out. So we're looking to split. I agree with Noah on the dog of the game. I'll take us within 10. So I guess I'll take us to cover the six and keep it within 10 because you just expect you and I to have a really close game. So again, with all the other crazy games going on, if we beat you and I, it doesn't matter what happens in the Indiana State Belt. If we beat you and I, we want Belmont to beat Indiana State because, like I said, we want the three. We'll talk about it more. Keep an update because around the UIC recap, we'll, we're trying to build our own like initial predictions before the awards come out. We'll have all of our teams and such at the end of the season. Uh, like I said, Noah will be on here before then to discuss it, so we'll try to have – our predictions before they finally come out, which will be fun. Always enjoy doing that. So we need to win out to to fully, even if we beat you and I, we have about a 95% chance to get the bye, even with Belmont winning. As long as we win, if we lose and Belmont wins, it gets dicey. That's what we don't want to have happen. So get this home win. You've been great at home all year besides two games, and you've lost those games by a combined four points. So I expect us to win at home. It's going to be tough, though. Like I said, it's important to win out here down the stretch. At UIC will not be easy this weekend. You need to just finish strong going in the tournament, get the bye, and take it from there. Like I said, we'll talk about the predictions. We'll talk about best-case scenarios, all of it leading up to Arch Madness when we have our full-on preview. It's going to be fun. A couple episodes here down the stretch of the season, so keep updated. We'll both try to be on here, hoping for a nice crowd. Like I said, 640. Everybody be there at 640 tomorrow. For senior night, seeing the guys get honored. We'll try to build up tweets. We want to save those to the end of the season. It's going to be extra special and extra sad if, you know, the players leave that we don't want to leave when they have extra eligibility. So it's all wait and see. Everybody show up. Should be an awesome crowd tomorrow. Another great crowd tomorrow for senior night. The last home game of the regular season. Looking forward to it. 7 o'clock, ESPN+. Plus. Hopefully everybody can make it. If not, it's on TV Looking forward to being there, talking about it afterwards when we will come to you guys next. So for Nick Malone, until next time, as always, go dogs, baby.